Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, walking through the book of James. Uh, Derek with me, Mark. Uh, good to be with you, Derek. Really excited to be here. Yeah, we've had a great time working through the first part of chapter one. We've worked through chapter two, uh, the first uh, 13 verses. Now we're going to walk through uh, 14 to 26. Good inductive Bible study students, they mark key words, they put them out clearly on the page. And just looking at my Bible, I know that in verses 14 to 23, there are two words repeated over and over and over, those key words that unlock the text. If we took those words out, this scripture would completely fall apart. Absolutely. Uh, 14 times I count the word faith that is mentioned in this, and then 12 times the word works. And so this week on Unlocking the Truth, we're going to look at the connection between faith and works. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come to your word today. And as uh, we look at these verses and as we look through uh, all of scripture, I pray that you will lead and guide us and uh, that you will show us this connection between faith and works and uh, what James calls a faith that is dead or a faith that is useless. My prayer, God, is that we will come to understand how we can have a faith that is alive and, uh, and that is fruitful. So I ask that you will bless our time together. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Yeah, so I, you know, Derek, thanks for praying and getting us started. Faith is so important. Mm -hmm. And that's what we kind of want to start with. We want to define faith mm -hmm. and look at what the scriptures tell us what faith is. And then we want to bring that connection together and, and link faith and works. Right. And then as we look at faith and works, we'll then look closer at what he's saying with uh, faith without works is dead mm -hmm. or it's useless. And we will bring it all together. And what we know that, and you'll bring this out later, that there, there's been some controversy in this text because right. some might say that, well, James is saying that you need works for salvation, exactly. but that's not what the case is. So let's look at faith first. And uh, you have a scripture we want to look at that's not in James uh, that tells us about faith. Yeah, when you go to Hebrews, um, you're going to see a lot about faith, especially in um, in chapter 11. And, uh, and so... We get kind of a definition of what faith is, the assurance of things um, that are hoped for and the conviction of things that are not seen. And that's sort of a loose definition of, of what we come to know as faith. Uh, for us, we want to know uh, what it is that we have faith in. And faith is that thing that we put our full assurance in. Uh, what is it that we are totally dependent on? What is it that we um, that we are uh, are putting our entire uh, life on? Um, and so, when it comes to the idea of what our what we're putting our faith in, in Hebrews it does say um, uh, things hoped for or conviction of things not seen. And what we're putting our faith on in is the hope that we have through Jesus Christ. What we have received. Uh, from our Heavenly Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. And this is, this is where we put everything. Uh, and so faith is not just, well, this thing that I think or this thing that I believe. Uh, it's, it's what we wrap our entire lives around. 
So really, if we were say we're building a house here, mm. like let's compare it to a building of a house. The foundation of what we are building upon is on Jesus Christ, but the foundation is the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that's why I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, Paul, I mean, he makes it so clear what the gospel is. Mm -hmm. I mean, we know in our minds what the gospel is, We, but it's do we know and do we believe that what is true? And so I want to look at these first uh, six verses, 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, mm -hmm. by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in what, Derek? What's it say there? Believed in, in vain. In vain. For I delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried mm -hmm. and he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And then after he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Here's the thing with the gospel is that first, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Second thing is that he was buried. We know that he was buried. I mean... If you've been a Christian for a long time, you know that you celebrate this every Easter, the burial of Jesus Christ. He was buried for three days. On the third day, he was raised from the dead according to the scriptures. This is so important that we're always pointing back to the prophecies about Jesus mm -hmm. as the Messiah. So born, uh, buried, raised, and then appeared to many. I mm -hmm. mean, for those first people to see Jesus, to physically touch his wounds, put their, you know, Thomas put his hand into his side. Yeah. These are all things that made, I don't know if it made it easier for the disciples to believe versus us, but we don't have a tangible Jesus right. to touch the body. We, we have to believe what has been passed down from us. And that's the one thing that I find amazing is look what you're asking to people to believe and have faith in that God came to earth yeah. as Jesus in a fully man, man that had no sin and went to the cross for Jesus Christ. I want to look at one other um, verse because it just popped into my my mind, and that is First uh, Thessalonians chapter one, and listen to what he said regarding. Um, faith in the gospel. Uh, he said, we give thanks to you. This is verse two of chapter one. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, knowing beloved brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you mm -hmm. for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be. So the gospel, when it came, the gospel didn't just come in word, but it came in power and it came in the Holy Spirit and it brought full conviction. So the gospel is so powerful. What did uh, Romans, uh, we had another crossroads we want to look at, Romans chapter 1 uh, what did it say regarding the gospel? 
uh, in 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I mean, these, these verses are completely, uh, they're so incredible. I mean, Paul lays out the gospel for us in, in uh, Corinthians. Uh, doesn't hold anything back. Tells us exactly what it is that we're to have faith in. And then in Romans, um, we hear that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. That it is through the gospel that God can offer us salvation. And that's if our faith is in the gospel, that's what we receive is the salvation from God. Right. So don't re- read verse 17 as well, because I think 17 gives us even greater understanding of the gospel. It's got the power of God for salvation. Mm-hmm. What else do we find in the gospel? For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Right. So again, we're just connecting all of this, mm-hmm. that what we are to first have, okay, is we're supposed first have a faith in Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. a belief that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he was raised from the dead, and on the third day, he appeared to many. And that's mm-hmm. what we are called to believe in, that that saving grace that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then we come back to James chapter 2, verse 14. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? Mm-hmm. And I think what we want to make sure is we understand that, that what James is asking here in this kind of faith is, is he saying, he's saying that can a faith without works actually save you? Right. And I don't know. What do you think? Well, we the problem with James, and it's not a problem with James. It's it's our a problem is with us, in our in our difficulty sometimes interpreting the text of Scripture. Is a lot of people think that uh, James and Paul disagree when it comes to uh, works and faith and our salvation. Uh, it sounds a lot like James is saying that without works. Um, we cannot be saved. Uh, And I think the important thing for us to understand is that James and Paul are talking about two very different kinds of works. When Paul says that you are saved by grace through faith, uh, not by works so that no man can boast, he's talking about the works of the law. He's, He's talking specifically to a group of people who believe that their salvation is in their own hands and in their own control as long as they do um, and live according to the law. And so when Paul talks about that we're saved by grace or by grace through faith, not by works, he's not talking about the same kind of works that James is talking about. He's talking about living according to the law. James is talking about works that come through faith, that come because we have faith. So Paul's talking about people who are opposing grace, opposing the gospel by saying they can do their own works. And James is talking about works that come through obedience to and faith in the gospel. A product of our faith should be these works that James is talking about. Right. And, you know, the whole study of James is really living a life of true faith. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, when I was in university and I was basically my whole school career, I 
despised tests. Mm -hmm. I, I never really was good at multiple choice tests. Uh, I would go into exams and I'd flip a coin. <laughs> I mean, I was not good. I couldn't figure, I couldn't pass. I, I used to tell people I have a learning deficiency to multiple choice. Mm -hmm. It wasn't matter. There could be like true or false and I'd still get them all <laughs> wrong. But this right here, and that's why I want everybody to understand, chapter 2 verse 14 down to 26 is a test. Mm -hmm. It's a test to determine if you have true faith. That's right. And so what you've got here in James chapter 1, which sets up this whole section, is James chapter 1 verse 22. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers mm -hmm. of the word who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he's immediately forgotten what kind of person he is. So what we've got here is now James laying out how to pass the That's test. Right. And so when we look and see how to pass the test, that because we see 14 times the word works mm -hmm. and we see our 14 times the word faith and 12 times the word works, there's a connection between the two, but you're not saved by your works. Mm -hmm. Your works are a fruit That's right. of your salvation. And that makes me want to take us to John chapter 15. And so John chapter 15, it talks about this connection between uh, faith, uh, abiding, and works. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Some of you might be thinking to yourself in verse 2, uh, what's Jesus saying? Mm -hmm. And I always like to tell people, hey, we have a great study on the Gospel of John, and you can go and check it out and come clear. We have a workshop on this as well. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. This whole idea of abiding is living, dwelling, mm -hmm. and remaining in place. Right. It's... It's like um, the word begotten, mm. you know, when you hear the word begotten, uh, he's the only begotten son. The idea is that the son is under the arm of the father. Right. And so here it's the same way that Jesus, you know, we're abiding in him. It's like we're remaining close to him, holding on tight. And when we do, uh, we'll bear fruit. So here in verse chapter one, or 15, verse chapter 2, you've got bears fruit three times. Mm -hmm. Then in chapter 4, bear fruit again. Chapter, uh, or verse uh, 5 of chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I him in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm -hmm. Then in chapter 15, verse 8, it says, My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. So prove to be my disciples. And then one more in um, chapter uh, 15, verse 16, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you go and bear fruit. And so that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. 
do you understand what the scriptures are telling us here? Is that once we're saved, once we believe in Jesus Christ, that we have a faith that uh, is real, that our faith will produce something. That means we have some work to do. And so we want to look at Ephesians. And what did Ephesians have to say? Well, Ephesians chapter 2 is where we get this, this quote from Paul saying that, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is it a gift. It is a gift from God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. And verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So Paul is not saying that faith is divorced from works. He's saying we cannot earn our uh, salvation, that grace is a gift to us. But when we are saved, when we are children of God, we are his workmanship, which means we belong to him. That he now, uh, create, he's created us and he now decides what we are to do. And he says that we were created in Christ Jesus for a purpose. And that purpose was for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So it's not an option to have faith without works. Once we become disciples of Jesus Christ, God has prepared for us good works to do uh, because of our faith in him. Yeah, and, and the Bible's clear. We've been given spiritual gifts and uh, for the building up of the body. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, we have to put those gifts in action. And if we're not putting those gifts in action, we're actually hindering the growth of uh, the kingdom of God. Uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 14 says, "Who?" Uh, we'll look at verse 13 first. It says, Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself up to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good deeds. Mm -hmm. You know, it's this is all about after we have a faith in Jesus that we are zealous for good deeds. I want to look and go back to the Gospel of Matthew. And I've got a number of passages that we wanted to just further bring out um, the, this idea of bearing fruit as a part of or as a result of our faith mm -hmm. versus that of for our salvation. Matthew chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Uh, Matthew 3, 7, 8 says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So there is a, a qualification to the fruit that we're bearing, that it's, it's the fruit that keeps in line with our repentance. When we've turned away from our old life and we are now living as disciples of Jesus Christ, we now must uh, do the works. We must live in a way that keeps in line with, uh, with the new life that we have received through Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I mean, this is the thing, that you are to, through your works, that they should be seen by all men, mm -hmm. and that your Father should be glorified. What did Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 say? He says, In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law 
and the prophets. Jesus is just laying out time and time again how we are to live. Live and treat others the same way that you want to be treated. Treat them uh, respectfully. Treat them responsibly. Treat them well. And he says, don't just do it, but understand that this is the, the whole point of the law and the prophets is that we are loving one another the way that Jesus Christ has shown us to love. Yeah, and then in the final one we look at is Matthew chapter 13. We've got this parable of the sower. The hearer of the word is mentioned three times in verses 18 to 23. But we'll focus just on verse 23 at this time. And it says, And the one whom the seed was sown on good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it. I probably would almost calculate and say that understands it would be equivalent to believes Mm -hmm. it. You know, that they've allowed it to sink in. The one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. So now we go back to the book of James and what he's saying here is, what is it then my brethren if someone says he has faith, but he has no works, can that faith save him? Well, remember, if this is a test, it's not the faith alone. Mm -hmm. How do you know? I mean, remember that whole idea of repentance, you know, the whole idea of, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ is such a personal thing. You you don't actually see that, you know, that's why you have baptism, Mm -hmm. for example. Baptism is the outward showing of an inward change. And so that's another proof of your faith in Jesus Christ, that you're identifying with him and you're showing him that when it comes to the works, if your works are without faith, those are works that are maybe trying to prove your righteousness before God. But here he's saying that without that faith, you are dead. So Mm -hmm. looking at verse 17, even so faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. That by itself reminds me again of that passage in John about the vine. Right, he says you cannot bear fruit on its own. When it's cut off from, from Christ, when it's not abiding, when it's not connected to, it cannot bear fruit. And that's exactly what James is saying here as well, that faith without works, faith by itself is dead. It's apart from, uh, from Jesus Christ. Right. I, apart from me, you can mm-hmm. do nothing. Verse 18 says, But someone may well say, You have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my Mm -hmm. works. Let your light shine in a way that men will see. That's right. So the connection here is that works, again, are the byproduct of your faith. That's right. You love the Lord so much for what he did for you that you want to serve Mm -hmm. him and employ your gift. Right. This is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Verse 19, I love verse 19. And you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. Did you did you look up that verse, Derek, and see what further you could get out of that? Well, this idea of believing that God is, is one. Um, in, in Deuteronomy, we have 
what's called the, the Shema, Hero Israel, uh, God is one. He's reminding them of, of one of those things that they, that they know to be true because um, it's something that they've always said. It's something that they always know. Um, but what's, what's great here is that uh, James uses that and puts it back on them and says, that's great. Even the demons understand, even they know the truth that God is one. And they also believe the same truth that you believe and they shudder. And so you're not any better off than they are if all you're doing is having a faith or professing a faith in God without doing anything about it. And, and this is the thing with that verse is the demons know that God is one. Mm-hmm. From this verse just by itself, it says that they shudder at the very fact that God is one. But every work of a demon Mm -hmm. is that of the work of Satan, which is absolutely contrary to God. Mm -hmm. Their whole purpose is to make man fall. It's to glorify the work of Satan. And so even if these demons know... Mm -hmm. God, their works do not prove their faith. And so what James is saying, he's like, your works should prove that you are on God's side, not that of the demons and Satan. And so look at, this is huge. This is is why it's so great because yeah, the demons know, you can find multiple cross-references where where the demons shudder at the very moment they see Jesus. Yeah, because they know who he is. They know he's the son of God and... And that's what he's saying is, but it doesn't help them. That no. knowledge, even the belief that that's true, doesn't, doesn't make the demons any less a demon. And so it doesn't make us any more saved. But it doesn't change their fruit that's either. Right. It doesn't change the way that they're acting. It's all head knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's not heart transformation for these people. They're not changing the way they work. But look at this, verse 20. But if you are willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless. Mm -hmm. And then verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? So you see that faith was working with his works and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. Mm. We need to talk about Abraham for a minute. Yeah. And we need to maybe... uh, you could read back, uh, the listeners could go back and read Genesis chapter 15 mm-hmm. and, and see that whole thing. But this is the reality. Uh, Abraham waited a really long time for an heir. Yeah, he did. And when he was finally born, I think Abraham was around 100 years old yeah. when Isaac was born. And as soon as Isaac became a young boy, God said, climb Mount Moriah sacrifice him Mm -hmm. on the altar Mm -hmm. his only child you know he did have another child with a servant but this is the heir yes the child of promise this is the child of promise and what did abraham do abraham went Mm -hmm. but his going and his action of making that sacrifice and putting isaac on the altar did not save him right that was a work and a result of what he had already been credited Mm -hmm. with righteousness. And so we have in verse uh, 23, the scripture was fulfilled and Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteous and he was called the friend of God. And so Romans uh, chapter 5 
uh, gives us, you know, Paul used Abraham as an example as well. He always led back to that first, especially when he was speaking to Jews, he always went back to Abraham to prove that faith was not, our salvation did not come by works, but salvation came by faith. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, uh, what did that say? Uh, he says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in hope and the glory of God. So in, in this section with Abraham, Abraham was not justified by his works, mm-hmm. but again, it's the test that Abraham passed the test by proving Mm -hmm. to God that by his actions of laying Isaac on the altar, raising the knife in the air Mm -hmm. to sacrifice him, that he believed that God had his best interests in mind. Yeah, Paul here uses this word justified. You know, it's that he's justified by faith. We have peace through God, um, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, He uses this and justification. He declares that we are righteous. He says that we are righteous and he makes us righteous through Jesus Christ. When James uses this word uh, justified, it also can mean a proof of something, evidence of something. And I think that's what James is talking about, that the works that Abraham did by his willingness to go and sacrifice his son. He was justified by his works because his works proved the faith that he had in God. Um, I mean, even in Hebrews, it says Abraham just assumed that God was going to bring him back to life, that his faith was so strong in his God um, that he knew that he had faith in the one who gave him that promise. And that's, that's what's so vital is when you have faith and you have a faith I mean, Hebrews chapter 11, that's the hall of faith. Mm-hmm. You can look at all of those individuals, and uh, we don't have time to cover them all today, but Moses, yeah. uh, Noah, yeah. all of these uh, individuals in the Old Testament that by faith took action. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to look at, I mean, Rahab was another example from uh, verse 25. Right. But I wanted to end with, Obviously, verse 26, because it's the end of the chapter. Mm-hmm. But 26, and then bring this home into application, how this all applies mm-hmm. to us. Verse 26 says, For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. And uh, for the many years that I served as a pastor, I had opportunities, abundant opportunities, to spend time with families Mm -hmm. as they were preparing to say goodbye to loved ones. And you would sit in a hospice with these family members and you would sit with the individual who was about to pass away. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'd hear um, like this, they they referred to it like a death rattle right. in their yeah. in their throat, you know. Yeah. And as they're breathing, you can hear their breathing getting heavier and heavier. And and I remember um, one family. We were singing in hymns and we were praising the Lord. And then all of a sudden, whew, gone. Mm-hmm. And and there, the spirit left the body. It was just an empty vessel, yeah. and nothing there. Just this this person laying there, but 
no life mm-hmm. in them. And, and it's unbelievable that James is comparing that, that this person that has faith, okay, that saying that they have faith, right. but there's no fruit, there's no work coming from that, is comparable to the body with no spirit. No spirit. Dead. Yeah. Zero life. Completely useless. Completely useless. Yeah. And I, I bet James would even argue that faith without works isn't even faith. You can't even call it faith. It's not about adding works to your faith. That He doesn't believe that there is such a thing as faith without works. Right. And now, one of the other parts of being a pastor, and you know mm-hmm. you're a pastor, is that sometimes we get so enamored in our service, mm-hmm. in the works of our faith, right. that we sometimes neglect that part, mm-hmm. the faith part. Yeah. You know, then we start trying to perform right. yeah. to maintain salvation. Right. Not what James is saying here. No. That's what Paul is warning against. Right. So we want to make it very clear that faith is in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You believe in the gospel. And when you believe in the gospel, what the belief in the gospel brings is fruit. It brings works. Mm-hmm. It brings this want to serve, want to further the kingdom of God. And when you serve and further the kingdom of God, you will bear fruit for the kingdom. And that fruit that you bear will so prove that you are a disciple. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's absolutely wonderful. So what's the challenge? You know, what what do we need to challenge our listeners with this week? We, We need to work, not just to say that we believe, but we have to have... Um, we have to have these works that go along with our faith. Um, uh, you know, those ones that God has prepared, those good deeds that God has prepared in advance for us to do. Uh, and, I, and James doesn't leave us questioning, okay, now what do we do? He, he tells us back in chapter 1, um, he says in verse 27, that pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. And so it's so imperative that we understand what it is that we're to be doing. The good works are to be helping other people who are in need. And the fruit that we are bearing is uh, is that we are bringing the truth of the gospel through the life that we live. We are um, uh, we are bearing witness to who Jesus Christ is. People should look at our lives and see that we have been changed. And our desire now is not just for ourselves, but our desire is for the further, the furthering of the kingdom of God. Yeah, I want to leave you with this week, with this question. Are you a doer of the word or are you merely a hearer? of the word. Mm-hmm. This is the challenge. Yeah. The challenge is, are you living out your faith? In the margin of my Bible, I have beside verses 14 to 17, faith without works is dead. It's useless. Faith and works go together. 
works show our faith in action. Mm -hmm. Are you a doer of the word or are you merely a hearer? Are you saying that you have faith, but you're not putting your faith in action? Something for you to think about this week. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for this time that we've been had in the book of James. Father, we thank you that we can clearly see that faith and works are connected together. But Father, we are not saved by our works, but our works are a fruit of our salvation. Help us to remember that our work does not get us into heaven, Lord. That the work of the cross is what gets us into heaven. But our work that we do, we do to glorify and honor you, to further your kingdom here, to be a light in a very dark world. Help us, Lord, to be doers of the word and not merely hearers of the word. We pray this in your name. Amen. For more information on Precept Ministries Canada, visit us online at www.preceptministries.ca or call us at 877-234-2030.